are. Welcome to The Outsiders, a football and philosophy podcast. I've been drinking and everything's fine. So, um, <laughs> uh, well, oh, you know, it's a bit of a relief because some, some of the feedback that we got last week was, um, who was that really sort of maudlin guy with, you know, that sort of, and, and I'm, I'm... You're not talking about Sai, are you? You're right, Sai? No, no. Oh, okay. You're right, Stu. How you doing? No, not you. Um, the other one. Um, yeah, the other one. Hello, mate. You're um, good to, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're listening. Yeah. So listen, we're a philosophy and football podcast. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, Sai, was this. Um, what is your track record with philosophy? How did you get into philosophy? Um, well, <laughs> uh, mainly it was um, through my university degree. And... Yeah. Um, uh, I, I studied English literature, and as part of that, we were interacting with with different views of the world. Um, and sort of one of my my main areas of studies was uh, meta narratives, mm. and this whole idea of um, the stories that that sort of guide and try to describe human existence. Mm. Um, and that sort of led me into that, and um, then actually recording our, our podcast, sort of looking to um, mm. combine football and philosophy together, made me realise how. Um, I've literally been orbiting the very edges of the smallest amount of knowledge yeah. of philosophy yeah. to the point where when we actually talk to actual philosophers and professors of philosophy and indeed even those who aren't even professors of philosophy like but have studied it to some some degree, like um, that, well, they've done it to you as well where, where we've asked a question and immediately it's felt like um, they've sat a four-year-old down and had to yeah. explain to them why why that question isn't right. Mm, um, mm. you know earthquakes aren't caused when fat people sit down and, and it's that mm. it's that sort of level that I feel like they've got to talk to us um, or like, talk um, down to us um, at... yeah or like uh, um, if it's heavier in England than Australia how does the world not spin a bit faster stuff like that y- yeah, yeah and like yeah. How, if there are, if there are lots of people why, why doesn't the earth fall into itself <laughs> Because there's a lot more people. So you come in um, from, a, from a bit of a strange, strange angle. Then, um, yeah. Could you, would yeah. you say that you find um, philosophy inscrutable? Yeah, I think one of the things that that um, I've come to the conclusion um, of, particularly with our, our conversations with with people who know a lot more about us, is that the more you know, the more you realise you don't know. Um, and and actually, you're the, very the... very close to sounding like you've got a little bit of wisdom there. And I'm very aware of who you are. So. Uh... Listen, um, we, we're big fans of the Dunning-Kruger effect, aren't we? Yes. That those that know a tiny little bit of something feel like they're experts, but the more That's you me. then me. get to... Yeah, 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 yeah. Trumpian, yeah, yeah. you could say. Um, but the more more you then get to know about that subject and that topic, the more you realise that actually um, you, you're at sea without a paddle. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Um, um, but that, that's actually genuinely where where I'm at, and and it's one of those, um, and and one of the philosophers that we we speak to today. Um, you know, ooh. I just I, I full on I full on embarrassed myself. That was a lovely segue. That was a lovely uh, segue. Beautifully, it was, yeah. It was, it, mm, yeah, good. Um, go Liquid. on, come on. Yeah. Well, I embar- I embarrassed myself in front of him because um, my opening questions, like I I put together some some really, I thought some really gnarly questions. And he he spent a good ten minutes telling me why he wasn't interested in that mm. style of philosophy. Just before and, we, and um, I, I was lost. Just before we carry on, do you want to um, do you want to tell us who we uh, we uh, are rather exclusively talking to today? 
Yeah, fantastic. Um, sort of bit of a coup. Uh, we've managed to speak to a, a, a rarity, really, a philosopher, a philosophy graduate, somebody who's taught philosophy at university, yep. who also works with a number of professional football teams, mm. um, generally in Europe, in and around sort of the Holland area um, as well, um, but works with a lot of um, you know top. Um, professional clubs and sort of combines his areas of philosophy with with his work in in football he's called uh, Joost van der Leij mm-hmm. and um, he'll introduce himself a little bit further on later in the episode but um, he's he's fascinating because he's effectively put together a almost like a statistical model um, that that he thinks will work for any any club really in terms of how a club is run, whether it's big or small. In fact, he yeah. really didn't like it when when I asked him about whether there are big clubs and small clubs. Again, it was one of those moments where, a, a bit like you, when you you get a little bit awestruck when we're talking to the philosophers and you you sort of ask them, you know, if if you could if you could marry any pop star in the world, who would it be? Mm. 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 And then you're disappointed when they say Taylor Swift. Yeah, when you really want to say, you know, Avril Lavigne. Oh, he's shown his age by, by in two ways by referencing Avril Lavigne <laughs> and saying gnarly. So um, he's done that to you. Um, that's that's fantastic. That's exciting. Um, let's just bring it back down to earth for a second. Um, so obviously tonight there's been a couple of results. Um, yeah. The possibly um, often mentioned um, outside favourites for relegation beat Wol- uh, sorry Wolves beat Arsenal two one. Yep. series of atrocious um, kind of like decisions happening in that match, um, all of which I, I'm, I'm not, I don't really care about because um, it meant that Arsenal lost. Can and we talk about perennial? Can we talk about David Luiz just quickly? Mm, I, that Before we move on to the perennial right underachievers, now, yeah. can, can we? Because when David Luiz first arrived in the Premiership as a defensive midfielder, let us not forget, mm. um, I, he just dominated games. Mm. He, there was none of this sort of, oh, he's a little bit all over the place. Maybe it was because at the time, and, and Chelsea fans can correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe it was that at the time you had um, Belletti on the <laughs> playing on playing at fullback, who was just a nutcase, and so maybe it distracted from from the sort of depravities that David Luiz inflicts upon the football pitch. But my word, it feels like he's a joke of a footballer. Yeah, he's buying it living at the minute, that lad. Um, we've got we've got a slight vested interest in Arsenal, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, because um, the, the, the third musketeer of the yeah. podcast, um, young Jim, um, who's our who's our tech guy, I think I call him. Do you mind if we call him that? No, I think that's fair because and and actually he has brought us up to a, a new level because uh, you know previous episodes of of our old po- podcast we we literally were recording in cupboards next to toilets. Yeah, and um, he's he's basically inter- int- introduced us to. Um, Instaface, um, Grandbook, all that other yep. stuff. He's done all that. Yeah, MySpace um, as well. Yeah, I'm flogging at the minute. I'm thinking about flogging or something. Yeah, and um, yeah, Top so tick. no, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got a bit of a, bit of a vested interest in Arsenal. Um, in that respect, he's a big, he's, he's, a, he's a big fan, isn't he's, he? He's a, he's a big fan. Um, he, he's and he's disturbed. You know, he he's one. Of, he's texting furiously saying. Um, he's not sleeping, and uh, you know he's he's. I think he's he's the next step is going to be. I don't know if I can say that, but um, that, that's private conversations <laughs> that come out. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, um, the word that springs to mind immediately is tasteless. <laughs> no, um, no, but I, I like so. I I actually think Arsenal are in in quite a bit of trouble. 
to bring us back. To, the thing is, I don't quite think they are. I don't think they are. Not relegation to be. No, 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 no. They, they, they're, they're in. If they stick with Arteta, I, I think they'll, they'll see a real bright side. But they're sticking with someone, and then there's, like, blinding yourself by poking yourself in the eye and saying, "I hope it's going to be okay." Um, if they stick with him and invest in him and like get behind him, then that's one thing. If they just kind of say, "Well, crack on with what you've got," then he's on. He's going to lose. He's going to lose. Big yeah. Time. And actually, as a, what's hilarious is, <laughs> like. You can see it from the outside, as as you know, two of us. We 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 don't support Arsenal, but there's right. this thing that there's a there's a team that's on the worst run of form. Yeah, uh, they've just been losing games. They're 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 in the middle of a malaise. Wait a minute, they're playing Arsenal. Yeah, they'll probably win. Yeah, like yeah. and and actually, we're we're all guilty, aren't we, with our own clubs of um, you know, if it's a game where where our club is expected to win, the 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 team we're about to play are going through a terrible terrible run of form. We, all of us, every club, no matter how big it is, are convinced that we'll be the ones that that run ends. But actually, I look at lots of opposition clubs and I think it, it, it'll end at Arsenal. They'll, yeah. they'll get a they'll, they'll get a result at Arsenal and the implosion. The, the the implosion that Arsenal showed. I mean, it was two ludicrous moments where David Luiz um, makes no attempt to get the ball. It is a penalty. Mm-hmm. He does make contact with a man. He just doesn't make it look blatant. But he's got mm-hmm. the wrong side of him. He's you know he's broken all the cardinal rules of defending. Yeah. And then then the goalkeeper with what can only be described as a, a comedic handball. Oh, it's, it's and, and actually the referee was embarrassed to give it. You can see hey, listen, the ref listen, was listen. embarrassed. Like I'm let's, a professional let's, referee. Let's he's move thinking. on. Let's move on. Yeah. We're better than Arsenal. Talk to me um, about the perennial underachievers. The, the perennial underachievers um, who fell short of the, the, their rivals for perennial underachievement. Um, mm. Sheffield United beating West Brom two one. Um, you, if I don't, if you don't mind me saying, um, yeah, go on. I'm, I'm going to take this victory. Um, you actually thought for a nanosecond that Big Sam might be the answer for West Brom. Listen, look, I, I, no, 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 I hold. No, 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 you said it. Did you say? I've got. It? No, I've got a couple of. I've got a couple of things that I want to say first of all before yeah. I admit anything to you. When, when someone starts a sentence off by saying, "Do you mind if I say this?" before they've said it, yeah, it suggests that they're going to say something offensive. It's like, um, no offense, but I'm pretty sure you're about to offend me. It, you know, you see what I mean. It's like you know, it, it, I know something bad's going to happen. It, it's along the lines for me is like I like you despite what everybody else says. Yeah. But anyway, I just want to just just throw that out there. Second of all, is there um, my special brew there? Oh, I heard everything. No, this is you talk. Oh yeah. Second of all, um, look, you did say that. the miracles that Sam Allardyce did with that that. <laughs> Bolton Wanderers side. Is there a player that you that plays for Bolton Wanderers? That Let you me tell you, special... there were there were there were a number of players, um, mm. and I, and I'll build up to them. They had a spine of a team. They had UC Askelainen, the yeah. the the Finnish frog in goal. Um, <laughs> Ivan Campo, the enforcer, bringing that little you, you bit were, of sort yeah. of Gattuso style frantic sort of nonsense in the middle. The, but the, then the, of the, course, the... just goal after goal after goal. Coming in in their one nil victories or their two one victories, uh, Kevin Davis. You forgot about um, what Not, people call people call me the, the thinking man's JJ Acocha. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, no, no. It's the uh, the people who've <laughs> suffered brain injuries, man's yeah, JJ Acocha. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the homeless yeah. man's JJ Acocha. 
tasteless yeah. again. Yeah, tasteless yeah, again. No. Okay, okay, we'll talk about abortion and then we'll we'll call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> straight. <laughs> so, um, okay, so that's that. Um, so they're both relegated, I think. Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to be. I don't seeing... be so d- too dismissive, but that feels like a thing. Well, if you're if you're a West Brom fan, if you're even if you're a Fulham fan as well, if you're if you're um if, if you're a Sheffield United fan, surely surely you can see that there there's daylight beginning to be shown between the bottom three and everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it's it to me, it's starting to look fairly stark Absolutely. if you're in the bottom three of the Premiership at the moment. Um, uh, but the know, only thing I would say is that people are people are stealing from each other. So the the live match that's happening right now, Crystal Palace are two one up on Newcastle. Now I know Newcastle feel like they lose every week, but they have a, a relatively respectable amount of points. And Crystal Palace are, are down there as well, scrapping a little bit, and it feels like mm-hmm. they're nicking points off each other. So I still think there is time. If someone pulls their finger out now at the bottom, Burnley. Mm. Um, then, then there might be a time. I'm not sure about West Brom because I just don't see they have any style of play whatsoever, other than that depressing kind of like mirage that they call football. But yeah, they were genuinely surprised when they scored, weren't they? You could you could see like yeah. there was a genuine surprise on the <laughs> yeah, players' faces, yeah. like oh, this is what the game is. The ball's in yeah. the net. I I I don't know. I I think a, a, a sneaky tenor on Sheffield United to get out of it might be it might be a, a brilliant bet right now. I know you're yeah. not a betting man, but the same. And then, obviously, the final result um, that's still live after an hour is Man United are winning 4-0 against Southampton, which is a real shock, I think. Yeah, but, you know, to make us all feel a little bit better, because Man United are, are really, they, they are they are looking good when they play well. Um, they're one of those Another teams. shocking decision in that match, by the way. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, no, no. Uh, oh, just absolutely shocking. I mean... In all honesty, it is outrageous. I think I don't know who the player is. It's Shea Adams, I think. Mm, He's got four mm. fingers that are offside. <sighs> I mean, I'm not even joking. It's four fingers of his hand are offside. And and that's something that we're going to focus on in a in a later episode, isn't it? Yeah, um, and, and actually, yeah. I think I think the actual arguments for and against VAR in terms of for football fans, I think they're 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 widely spoken about. We all know how we feel about it. Yeah, but actually, yeah. getting a philosopher who who doesn't actually watch a lot of football anything. himself yeah, yeah, just yeah. just getting him to actually give us a really sort of impartial philosophical viewpoint i think is is my answer to this what basically whatever he says i'm going to follow yeah my my dad used to say to me when i used to be outraged as as a child he used to hmm. say to me don't worry about it because in the in a period of 40 odd games it 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 sorts itself out do you think that's hmm. still true no because the one thing i used to explain to my dad not when I was eight, but when I was more like when I was sixteen, maybe, hmm. was that I I believe that every match is po- a possible springboard, and hmm. so if you lose a penalty or you get a player sent off in the first ten minutes of a match, and then you go on to lose that match because of that, it's not that you've lost the three points; it is that you've lost the next two or three games of momentum, which could be the difference between at the end exactly. of the season. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, he didn't listen. He didn't listen. No, um, and no. he often he often strike me when I said that. So um, no, I'm joking. Okay, I've done that again. Tasteless um, again. <laughs> no, he didn't. I uh, it was fine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so Manu winning four nil, two one to Sheffield United, who are climbing their way points wise at least a little bit up the table. Well, towards New- Newcastle West are in dire straits. Newcastle are in dire straits. Now, actually, that's that's something to to throw into the mix. Yeah. Because where where did Newcastle go at the moment? 
they look bereft of confidence. Yeah. Um, they, they look bereft it of ideas. It comes to something. It comes to something, right? Let me tell you something. It comes to something. Like, I, I think that if Newcastle do okay and, and they kind of get their way out of this, it will be because of Callum Wilson. That's the first thing. Mm. But it comes to something where you wait to get to the 60th minute of a match and you go, oh, bring on St. Maximum and then everything will be okay. And it just hasn't worked. Yeah, no. he's a great player, but I mean, Christ, how can one player carry the other 10? Yeah, yeah. It's outrageous. Some yeah. Newcastle players would not make it into a top six championship side. No, you're right. And and the worry is that, you know, they managed to keep hold of him for January. <laughs> but yeah. you know he's going somewhere else. Of course you know he's yeah. going the, somewhere the, else. The problem is that he's actually not showcasing how good he could be because um he he's 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 rudderless. Mm. He comes on, he gets the ball, and Newcastle players stand and watch and like try and get into a position where he might find them or whatever. And he's just running all over the pitch. There's no order to what he's doing at all. Can so I, um, it's not can like he's in the kitchen. It's not like he's kind of in the window to be sold. And someone and Chelsea might go, "Oh, he can do a really good job for us on the left wing or whatever." It's just not because you just he's too big of a gamble. So literally, as you were talking about him, yeah, um, substitution. No, no, substitution. Oh, he's off, come on. Off comes Jeff Hendrick. For Who? Jeff Hendrick for Alan Who? Sant Maximan. Well, you know Jeff Hendrick. He, he he's a he's a decent player. He he yeah. he caught he caused championship sides a real issue. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and he's not he, causing he, anybody know, at the bottom of the table issues. Quite what I don't know why thought I'm process. Him. I'd love I'd love um I'd love a Newcastle fan to get in touch and actually give us some understanding as to why Bruce doesn't start. With with his talismanic player, well, I think there may be something in there about about the long COVID and all that kind of stuff. I just I'd rather have him for the first forty five than the last forty five. It always seems like an escape route as opposed mm. to like building something and mm. trying to protect it. Yeah, I'm sure Newcastle fans would be absolutely chuffed if they were like one two nil up at half time. He goes off and then they form a plan around protecting that. I don't. Yeah. For the meantime, that would be better than trying to. I mean, Crystal Palace. I mean, the Crystal Palace are a good side. Don't get me wrong, but. They've stumbled this season big time, and yeah. and I ju- I just think they're there for the taking. And Newcastle losing to the Crystal Palace is massive because it's it's like I'm saying that trajectory for the next three games. Yeah, but Newcastle haven't won. How long is it now? I think uh, my 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 concern my concern. Sorry to go back. My concern for Newcastle yeah. centers around where they're going to pick up points going forward. Yeah, and they they they've inexplicably got the amount of points that they have got. <laughs> and I think that's as other other teams were remembering how to play football, like yeah. coming out of lockdown, and it's like, oh, this this is, oh, there's tactics, okay, um, and so where do they go from here? Because um, yeah. they're not going to randomly pick up that points haul again, no. it, like, and actually the sense is particularly now, as more and more teams have more and more players that are picking up those injuries that put them out for the for you know. It's going to be three games they're missing. Oh, actually, it's going to be six games that they're missing. Oh, on their return game, they're now going to be missing a further six to manage the injury. You know, as as all the pundits will actually say, you know, there's going to be lots of small injuries that are going to going to affect the season. As squads are getting thinner, it's going to mm. get more competitive. It's going to get mm. it's going to get trickier. And, and actually, you'll see the differences between those those teams that have that strength in depth. And those teams that 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 don't have anything beyond their first eleven, and at the moment you look at Newcastle and you think, well, you don't really have anything within the first eleven that's going to inspire, you know, getting those three points here and here and there. And and actually, one of the things that that I've noticed 
you know, I quite often look at the differences between the Premiership and the Championship. Mm. And and actually, just mathematically, the Premiership, I think, is a lot more forgiving to teams that just have a go and every so often pick up three points, rather than picking up a draw here and there. So drawing more than they're losing in some ways or drawing more than they're winning. But those teams that, you know, you could put Leeds in that bracket at the moment, Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, back in the day, you know, Blackpool when when they were flying high. But those teams that are actually picking up three points here and there, actually, if your yeah. goal is safety, then actually, you that's going to serve you well because just a point here and a point there every so often is not going to get you um, what you need. Whereas in the championship, mm-hmm. it's it's slightly different because actually, there's there's more points on offer. There's more um, teams taking points off each other here and there. The Premiership, for me, three points is in the Premiership is always seems to be really hard won unless you're against a team who's in free fall and there's an yeah. and, and Newcastle and those teams that are in, in free fall and you know it's 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 strange because even the games that they've played well even the games where people have said oh that was a much better performance they might have nicked mm. it they've still not won mm-hmm. and, and in, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases they've not drawn so actually saying there's a bit of daylight being shown between the bottom three and and those above them um, if you're a Newcastle fan, let us know how you're feeling. Do you think you've got enough in the ta- in the tank? Because you know, I look at that. I look at you from outside the club, and I think, flipping heck, I don't want Newcastle to go down. I like Newcastle as a club, but actually, I think phew, they're they're, they're yeah. in, in dangerous territory. Chelsea got their first win under Tuchel. Tuchel, um, what did you? Tuchel, all right. Um, I'm gonna go with Tuchel, as I said last time. <laughs> yeah, you're, um, yeah, you're a big fan of the Tuchel, especially if I meet him. Especially if I meet him. <laughs> um, marginally back on track. Um, really important match against Spurs. I think that's on Thursday. Yeah. How do you see that going? Spurs shocked defeat yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Day before yesterday. Yeah. It's a, it's Spurs, Spurs are a fun one. Spurs remind me of Arsenal in a lot of ways. And, and I know Spurs fans will hate me saying that. But there seems to be a soft underbelly to Spurs. Um, you know, they, they again, they're another club who... When they turn it on and the players that they've got at their disposal, they've got that stardust. Mm. They've got the capability of beating teams four five nil. Yeah, but then randomly yeah, yeah. there are games where it just looks like they're wading through their defense, mud. I, th- I think their defense is pretty average, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, their, their defense would have to be. Yeah, it would have to be one of the best defenses in the world to match their their forward line. Yeah, because you know, Sun and Kane are. You know they're the envy of of you know any club would have them, um, but yeah they've got that sort of soft underbelly that sort of you know every so often there's a game where they turn up and and I'm sure they're not disinterested but they look like the strangers on the pitch yeah and yeah. And, and you can see it because Mourinho's like twitching in in the in his seat you know yeah. um, complaining about everything going on it's like what what happened in the dressing room beforehand they're, they're playing a game of like towels and someone got overexcited and actually like whipped What's someone that? a bit too hard is that when you get naked from the waist down and start rubbing your towel over what what is it uh, anyway what is it? well no towels? I, I don't want to talk I'll about show it. you my, i'll show you my towel you show me your towel what it, goes on well no it's we've never been in a changing room together no no it, well, me I, you and Tuchel. <laughs> <laughs> well towel, towels yeah, anyway, let's let's move on. Um, I don't want to talk about towels. Okay, right. Okay, and then the final thing to talk about before we get on to our philosophy segment is um, 
Leicester seemingly um, moving themselves further away from the um, title challenge. If there was a title challenge, with a with a loss, uh, fairly profound loss to um, Leeds United three one. Yeah, at, and, and at Leicester. Yeah, at the Chris Ball. Um, the thing mm. is, like Leicester are a shadow of themselves without Ndidi and Vardy. Um, and every time that I watch Vardy, people talk about Vardy, but I feel like Ndidi is a, a really big deal. He he is a really big deal, and 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 actually there was that big question mark over who will be who will will, will fill that Kante role obviously when he yeah. left um and and indeed he like has, has shown that that actually he's got the capabilities of doing that but you know i have to say every time i watch vardy there's he looks like the youngest player on the pitch and and what's really lovely is that he brings some of that lower league nonsense with him um i remember yeah. so looking at the reverse fixture of when Leicester taught Leeds a lesson at the start of the season, um, Leeds had given a, a, a debut, or is one of the early games for their um, their wonderfully named centre back Robin Cock. Um, yeah, yeah. And and you could I, see he, he's mm. he's a sort of Cadillac of a defender. He sort of he 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 sort of glides through games. He's a bit of a Ben White sort of you know that that sort of yeah. lovely on the ball. So and then suddenly he had this guy. Who only a few years beforehand had been like pint at half time and a cigarette sort of thing, like tugging at his armpit hair and mm. um, like just scraping his, his studs down the back of his heel and coming in a little bit late just as the referee turns around. And there was one hilarious bit where Vardy was just just running past him and just grabbed him and just spun him round and then just kept on running. And you could see this look of utter confusion. Because this guy's a yeah. German international. Utter confusion on his face. Because this is a footballer who has been, you know, been at the elite level for the whole of his career. He's been wrapped in cotton wool. He's been told that he's the best that there is. He's, you know, he's dominated in every team that he's been in. He's just a different level. And then suddenly, he's got this guy who's turning him inside and out, who's actually fairly decent on the ball, rapid, fast. You, keep an, you don't keep an eye on him and he's gone. And then, but he's also messing with him. And, and for me, yeah. that it just it put you could see it put the fear in the defence. You've seen Vardy do it to team after team after team, and so yeah. what what it felt a little bit like was that that Leicester were a little bit toothless. They've got undoubted talent in in Madison and Barnes, but it felt like there were just a couple of pieces of the puzzle missing. And and you know what you know you know we know what Leeds are like these days, don't we? They'll lose four nil or they'll win four nil. There's yeah. going to be very few times where you see a, a you know a one goal game that's involving Leeds. So. Um, whether whether that's it for for Leicester, I think title challenge wise, it was always going to be a long shot. Um, mm-hmm. The next match for them, I think, is massive. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. Yeah. Um, and if they win because that, they they're back on track. Get back on track. Obviously, there's no Vardy still. Yeah. Um, and indeed, he will be out again. Um, so Leicester might find themselves in the really unpleasant situation of where they're looking at the, the team below them as opposed to the team above them, which is never nice. No, no, absolutely not. Well, un- yeah, <laughs> unless unless you're in last place. Yeah, yeah, well said. Good analysis. <laughs> okay, right. So we're gonna we're going to move on to our. Um, well, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you introduce it, and then the music will come in. Well, you know, it's our our philosophy. Have you started doing it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, go on. So was that too chirpy? Do you want me to, um, you want, you want me to do my hospital radio voice? You're a bit mouthy. It, no, well, no. Um, Ladies I, and Do you know what? Can... <laughs> uh, those in isolation. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Ooh. Yeah, I've lost myself. I've, Welcome I've to the erection section. No. <laughs> um, hey, listen. Let, let, let's just bring it back a minute. Let's let's make this human. Yeah, we're not we're not robots. How are you getting on in this second lockdown? Because I have to tell you, I see you every day, and you you look awful. So you you said this. We were in. We were in. We were... I think you're looking. Do you mind if I just interrupt? I think you're looking. Well. You're looking unkempt. That's the first thing. Yeah. Um, you're 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 patchily hairy. If you don't mind me describing it like that. Um, you you because you cut your hair so often at Turkish barbers. Um, yeah. Even a couple of weeks without it. Yeah. Means it goes a bit like you know an eight year old boy out of bed on a Saturday morning kind of bum fluff hair. You know. Um, this is outrageous. You, um, You've put a couple of pounds on, if you don't mind me That's saying. Outrageous. Fact, well, but you you all, you should stop looking down into webcams. You should start looking up into them. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say any more than that. Well, um, you, you say that's all you're going to say. How are you, you getting you, on? You, how are you getting on? How's your mental health? How's your mental health? It's all right, thanks. <laughs> uh, listen, listen. Good. Yes, mate. You you say that's all you're going to say. We've been in open like virtual meetings with other people like professionals and you've just yeah. you've just openly said oh you've just woken up you just rolled out of bed have you and and i've been i've been i've been <laughs> fully awake for hours like no this is just my face so basically what you're saying is my face doesn't look good no i just no 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 it's I, fine I, I i like to think of myself as a people person and and sometimes i look at your face and you just—I don't know how Dead to express person. it. You just—you look—you look like a tortured miner. This, <laughs> you look like—you look like a bedraggled postman. You look like a—you um, know what you look like? You look like a down on the luck door-to-door salesman from the seventies. <laughs> and, and it's just—it's just one of those things where I'm, I'm worried about you. But it, listen, mate, because you've got—if you can't be anything, yeah, or if you can be anything, I don't know how the phrase goes. Be kind, yeah. So. I'm just asking after your mental health. I'm asking after after your physical health. I'm asking after after your sexual health. I'm asking about everything. Listen, I'm just wondering how you are doing, my friend Sai. Right. Because we we are close, but we are distanced, and it's that oxymoronical element of our friendship right now which is really bringing me down. So there's been times when I've come into work where people have been like, "Oh, are you all right? You look ill." And I've been like, "No, I, yeah, I, I feel yeah, I feel yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. fine." Pallid. Yeah, you look like an extra in an Edgar Allan Poe story. Yeah, 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 yeah. You do. You look haunted. No, I'm all right, mate. Though, thanks for asking. Cheers. You all okay, right? Good. If you need anything, if you need anything, yeah, then there's loads of people that will help you. Just perhaps not me. Listen, your but... your beard looks fantastic at the moment. I've got to say, um, and, oh. and and it's it's not a cliche, and, and you know, it's not like everyone's growing a beard at the moment. It's not like everyone's you know trying to. If I'm taking the mic out of anything. I look like. I'm lost at sea. That's what I look like. <laughs> my hair and my beard, I look like I'm lost at sea. I look like I've just eaten the face of the last kind of like, you know, um, you, you know, you, you know, that what, what, shit, conund- you've eaten the face of the last <laughs> yeah. shit, mate. It, yeah. yeah. You know, that conundrum where it's like you're lost at sea and you've got to pick on who you're going to eat. I, I'm fat and I'm bearded, like pretty like that. I, I, I'm, I'm too full. I'm, that's, that's the way I'm dealing with life at the minute is I'm growing hair and I'm moisturising. I'm bathing a lot. And I'm I'm walking a lot. I think this is. I'm listening to a lot of death metal. I think this has been one of the worst conversations I've ever had with you. Why? I. I it's because of the state of your mental health. I'm, <laughs> That's what it is. Be kind. If you, if you can be anything, be kind. I'm yeah. staggered. I, I'm no. I'm. I'm sorry. It, 
<laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, I'm worried for you. And how can you say that? No, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's just happened. Is your estate? No, no, no. Know, I'll tell you what's just happened. Is wife put up with like it. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm a duck that's just been like casually going, you know, its own way across a pond in a local park in the UK, oh, yeah. and suddenly, out of nowhere, a crocodile has eaten me. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm thrown by what we've I'm just been speaking to decipher. about. I'm trying to decipher. I'm trying to read between the lines of what you're saying, like a therapist. I, I, and I think what you're saying is you're lonely. You like the intellect. And you've got poor mental health. You like the intellect. Uh, and, um, yeah. But listen, all I'm saying is this. Look, um, when you are on video calls, yeah, try... You're going to get the other side in, aren't you, for that? You know, your, your know. mate, your <laughs> other mate from, from Twitter. You're going to get him in for the video calls, aren't you? I'm going to give you three pieces of advice. Okay. Number one, when you're on a video call, and I can just see from your um, um, breasts upwards, okay, <laughs> I know, I know that you're, um, I, I don't mean it like that. Men have breasts too, yeah. Grow up. Um, I know that you're nude from the waist down and that your your buttocks are touching no. the, the, the well-worn no. kind of like material no. in the chair. So no, first things first, at least wear pants or put a, a sturdy towel. Is that what towels is? <laughs> anyway, um, put a sturdy towel around your waist. That's the first thing. Second of all, just whack your face on your cheek a couple of times before you go on the call so it looks like you've got a bit of rouge about you. Yeah, got a bit of life. And for God's sake, look in the mirror at your bonds because... Because there's nothing more. There's nothing more concerning about a man reaching a certain age and 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 losing the, losing the will to present himself. So if you're listening to this podcast and, and and I've described you, if you can be anything, be kind. Okay. So here we're going to listen to um, an interview. <laughs> you know that's not even a segue. That's, <laughs> there we go. That's a diatribe. <laughs> yeah, and there, and there it is. The bile yeah, yeah. spewing that was forth, karma, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. physically, metaphorically, the the bile, yeah. the darkness of your soul. Anyway, let's bring us back on track. I'm I'm glad that you I'm glad that you took us on that that sideline. Um, I just feel really. <sighs> anyway, should we talk about philosophy? <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about philosophy. Hey, listen, now we're going to refocus because we're going to listen to that music that basically means that we're all clever in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, go on then, play it. Yeah, yeah, all right, here we go. So, me, Vaughn, Torquil, and uh, Quentin, and the boys, uh, played a fantastic game of towels with the housemaster. <laughs> I am literally, I am literally gushing from the gams <laughs> at the very sound of that. Anybody with an, 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 an at least a, a working man's um, knowledge of um, archaic language will know that gams means thighs. So, I am, I am juicing at the gams... At that music, and I'm just thinking at the gams to hear what you have to say now. So, um, I came across this guy um, who's yep. a bit enigmatic, really. He's called he's called Yeast, and we're going to speak to him live as well um, in a later episode. Would you say he's mercurial? I would say he is mercurial. I, I would yeah. say he's. He sounds mercurial. He's a master of many trades, and also a master of some. 
which which <laughs> which is gutting for me because I'm a master of no trades and definitely none. Um, no. So in terms of you know in a Venn diagram we're, we're mutually exclusive. Um, but he he's um, yeah he's an interesting figure who um, he works around a lot of um, a lot of his work involves neuro linguistic programming which is, you know, a technique for using language uh, to, I guess, build teams is particularly where his, um, his area yeah. um, stems yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's a use of psychology in a, in a lot of ways too. But um, mm-hmm. so Yust actually also has another side. And the other side of his, his work is working with professional football clubs um, based on an area of philosophy that he is particularly interested in. He's, he's taught... Um, and he's studied extensively, and it's it's a different style of philosophy than the ones that we've been approaching, which he sort of calls continental philosophy. So, we when we talk about philosophy, we we quite often talk about ethics, we talk about right and wrong, and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, he's yeah. he's properly into systems and procedures, and his philosophical output is that there is an optimal system for um, for different things and different scenarios, and actually football clubs particularly high-level professional football clubs, have thought, you know, this is going to help us with transfers, it's going to help us with motivating players and, and that sort of thing. So um, we thought it would be fascinating to talk to him. We, he's sent us so much information. This is just a small snapshot um, of, of okay. what we, we... A small snatch, you could say. <laughs> yeah. You could. This is a very tiny snatch a, of, of, of what he's got to offer. A yeah. tidbit. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. A smidgen. Oh. Um, okay, and um, so uh, should, you, um, should okay. we, rather right. than me clumsily, um, yeah, introduce him? Um, I think it's probably yeah. best if he introduces himself. So, um, first of all, the first thing that I asked him was um, just to give us an introduction as to who you are um, and mm-hmm. who you have or are working with, and, and where your particular expertise lies. And he said, "This, my name is uh, Joost van der Ley." Uh, at a very young age I decided to uh, study philosophy I actually studied it twice uh, once uh, when I was uh, quite young uh, uh, and uh, my teenage years uh, early 20s Uh, but I found out that uh, you you need to be a bit older to really study philosophy so I did it again uh, in my 30s Um, as a student assistant, I taught philosophy to freshmen at the University of Utrecht, and I'm currently still teaching at the University of Amsterdam and the Erasmus University of Rotterdam. My speciality is uh, philosophy of statistics, and that's where I help football clubs uh, deal with uh, statistics about players, especially in scouting, data scouting. I think there are a lot of uh, misconceptions. Many football clubs are fooled by randomness and they're still using um, the wrong kind of uh, statistics, that, uh, the wrong ideas of what they can uh, get out of it. So what I really bring to the table is uh, being very critical of uh, how uh, statistics is used and actually uh, help clubs transform their uh, use of statistics from describing what has happened in the past to actually predicting what is hap- what is going to happen in the future. So effectively, Eust is uh, he's not unconfident um, in his abilities to basically predict the future, <laughs> is what he said. Okay. Um, and one of the amazing things that um, the conversation that I had with him led to 
was that he he spoke about Portugal versus France in the 2016 Euro finals. Um, and just mm-hmm. a little throwaway comment that he made is that his statistical model predicted that Portugal would win and that there was more likelihood that Portugal would win if Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't playing. And, tr- mm-hmm. you know, lo and behold, Ronaldo went off injured and Portugal went on and won. Um, and, and mm-hmm. you know, you can be stuck in sort of truisms and, and sort of, you know, you talk about the ways you were right and sort of suppress the, the ways you were wrong. But actually, as the conversation went on, this particular philosophical outlook, this statistical modelling um, that that Eust brought was was increasingly, you know, for me, fascinating. So um, the the next thing that I asked him was a, a little bit more about his sort of area of of philosophy. So I I, I asked him, Eust, what area of philosophy do you focus on, and how did it lead you to working with professional football clubs? And this is what he said. So there are two areas of philosophy that I uh, am really interested in. First of all is philosophy of mind and action. I'm really interested in how uh, humans work and uh, how the brain works and uh, how you can influence uh, all of that. And the second area is the philosophy of statistics. Uh, I use both uh, within the world of football. Uh, I use uh, use the philosophy of statistics to help uh, football clubs uh, discover, well, what kind of player, which player actually uh, is best for them. Um, that we use a very uh, specific kind of philosophy. Uh, it's called subjective Bayesian statistics. It's been thought up by an uh, Italian uh, professor in philosophy, uh, Bruno De Finetti. He's a, a brilliant guy. He's probably the best philosopher, uh, the most should have been the most famous philosopher of the 20th century, but almost nobody knows him. But... Uh, Bayesian statistics is uh, taking over the world. Uh, all artificial intelligence are running by it. Uh, we discovered that the brain is uh, using uh, a system of predicting what is going to happen. It's pretty much uh, in line with Bayesian statistics. So that is a very important area. But also the philosophy of mind and action is how I help uh, football clubs. Uh, because uh, the better they understand how the brain works the better they uh, can uh, discover what players uh, uh, they like, which fit the best into the team, and how to help them develop uh, in, from talent to uh, superstars. So I'm very happy to also work with player agents, uh, and I actually uh, do interviews uh, with the players to discover uh, how their brain works. So those are the two areas that uh, are most to my heart, philosophy of mind and action, and the philosophy of statistics. On a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about when you actually have to have a conversation with Eust? I'm, I'm pretty worried. Because um, he'll discover quite quickly that your brain... I, do you think deviant is too strong a word? He's faster than yours. Huh? Is, is deviant too strong a word? I'm worried... Danger to I'm society. Worried. I think what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to approach him in the same way that I would approach a, a, a would-be lover. And I will offer I'll offer a, 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 a furtive compliments. Um, every now and then, neg him. Mm. Because I think that's, that's, that's what a keen intellect likes, mm. much like a beautiful face. Yep. And then I will, um, just before he finds out who I am, I'll very quickly make my escape. Okay, that's, that's a great shout. And, and like you often yeah, yeah. do, um, leaving me behind. Yeah. Um, 
when we were swimming off the coast of Halkidiki and that shark inexplicably appeared. Um, I, I remember, I remember you actually physically wrestling the life jacket from me. Um, well, I didn't me a dead arm. I thought, I thought that sharks picked up blood mm. from two miles away, not, not diarrhea. <laughs> and so, and so when, when I was struck down, um, and left a trail behind me, I, I, I just got out there, got out there. <laughs> So, for, for lots of reasons, for lots of so reasons. for that reason, I'm really looking forward to our, our live Zoom conversation. <laughs> I hope it doesn't end in oh, the yeah, same yeah. way, um, but there's a very good chance it might. I might, I might do my hair like him. You know that thing where people say mirroring, that, um, mirroring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like especially if, if he's so mercurial and yeah. kind of like um, fastidious in his details, he, he even if he's like completely kind of like um, left bereft from the shite rolling out of my mouth he might look at me and think well you know at least he's got a half decent face and haircut so (laughs) so (laughs) there are some clubs that i think could really benefit from youth's approach um you know he talks about these two areas of turning good players into superstars but Mm. also that statistical approach of of improving clubs and their systems and their their procedures it's interesting how he thinks that the two worlds of what he refers to as continental philosophy, oh. which he doesn't really care for, does he? No, no, not at all. And, and actually, he was uh, he, he shut down the conversation every time I started talking about anything around ethics, morals, and not that he doesn't like those things. He just says I'm not interested in them. They don't. They don't. But help the thing me is, is, it's interesting. It's interesting for me because I find the world of statistics like really, really like distance from me. I, I, I find it really complex, and it's, it almost feels like a different discipline altogether oh. from philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I, I felt that actually it was it was probably, you know, quite important to dig a little bit deeper. And one of the things mm. I'm fascinated about particularly is how we can use philosophy and our philosophical outlooks to improve situations that we're in. And if we're in a football um, scenario, are the people who are in, um, you know, the decision making places in football teams... Are they guided by a certain philosophical outlook, and and how do they approach strengthening um, their squads? So, one of the questions that I I asked him um, was this: that you could you explain a little bit more about your philosophical viewpoint and and how to improve the strength of squads? So, um, an example that he gave in our, our initial conversation was that for a number of clubs, it's probably better that their philosophical, their operational, their statistical mode of working should actually be to avoid relegation than it will be to push for Europe so in certain circumstances they'll do better right. if they have a model that says everything we're going to do is going to is going to be to to avoid relegation rather than pushing for the higher echelons and that seems really mm. sort of countercultural i think particularly to the british game which is that almost seems reductive and it it almost seems like a self-fulfilling prophecy if like, we're going to try to avoid relegation the chances are we are going to be relegated you know um but actually used was 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 quite you know unequivocal um about the fact that actually his systematic approach um meant that it sort of just took you away from the emotions surrounding it and and gave you quite an analytical um sort of response and and this is what he he said when we were talking about you know how do you improve the strength of squads based on his philosophical viewpoint mm. so so my philosophical viewpoint is that of uh, subjective uh, basing statistics uh, of uh, professor divinetti and the 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 subjectivity of it is very important. Basically, all data is subjective, 
And the only real things that we have is, okay, how probable do we think something is? And how many people uh, actually agree with that uh, estimation of probability? So on the one hand, you have probability. On the other hand, you have something called convergence. How many people are actually in agreement that, that uh, the probability estimation is uh, the correct one? And that means that unlike all other uh, data providers uh, who always sell uh, every single club the same uh, numbers, is that we actually look at it from a subjective uh, viewpoint and we think that every player should have different numbers for different teams. So the way that we uh, help a club improve their uh, squads is that we actually uh, can very quickly scan a large uh, number of players and then uh, we look at players that do very well uh, for their current team. But then the magic uh, happens because then we're going to transform uh, those data and actually uh, use a model that uh, calculates, okay, he's doing very well in uh, a certain level of competition. How strong is that competition? He's playing for a certain team. How well is that team playing? How strong is that team? Okay, and, uh, and how well is he doing himself? Okay, now put them into the uh, team that uh, we try to improve, uh, replace them with one of the players that is already uh, playing in that team, uh, either because uh, they want to improve the squad or because the player is leaving. And then we can calculate, okay, uh, what would his numbers be if he were playing in, uh, in that team? So for example, um, we found a uh, Spanish striker called Dalmau for the Heracles or the Dutch teams. We found him play in the Zucunda B, uh, the third division of Spain. And what we did, we transformed uh, his numbers uh, and calculated, okay, how would he do for Heracles in uh, the Dutch uh, competition? So that means, okay, we have to put in the difference in strength between the two leagues. But we also look at, okay, which player is he going to replace? Uh, how did he do in his uh, current team? And how will he do at Heracles? And that uh, led us to the conclusion that uh, he would not do much except uh, uh, finishing. Uh, but that his, his finishing probability was very high. And then Heracles got him as a free agent, which was very nice. Uh, he turned out to be the number three uh, top scorer uh, as a striker in the Netherlands. And they sold them for 1.75 million, exactly the number that we predicted a year before when we presented the player to Heracles. And so the whole viewpoint is based around making sure that you always recognize that data is subjective and that you can't take data on face value, but you have to use data as an input to actually update your probability estimations of how well a player will do. And then once we know how well the player will do within the team, then we can calculate how well the team will probably do and will actually be able to predict uh, how many uh, points a team will uh, gain or lose uh, depending on which players they play. Of course, when you say predict, uh, it's very important to uh, basically better use the term thought up by uh, Professor Definetti, and he didn't like the word predict because predictions sound as if you're absolutely certain about how the future will unfold. And of course, that's not the case. It's much better to think in terms of distributions of probabilities rather than a single point probability. Um, 
but it's also important that we replace the word of prediction with a, a word that Professor Definetti came up with, and that is prevision. Uh, what we do, we have a prevision of how the team will develop. And then we can quite accurately uh, show a, uh, the club which players will uh, prevent them uh, from being regulated or decrease the chance of being regulated, uh, and which players, if they play with that thing, actually increase the uh, chance of uh, being regulated. So currently we're working quite uh, a lot for FC Twente, and we're actually showing, uh, based on the players that they uh, select, uh, how much uh, the percentage will decrease or increase uh, of the chance that they will be regulated. And that is a very uh, strong indicator whether they should uh, hire the player or not. Of course, the team itself uh, is very enthusiastic and they don't like the negative uh, attitude of, uh, okay, uh, how many, what's the probability that we're going to be regulated and how can we decrease that probability? Because they like to think big. They want to cut ahead. So we also calculate what is the probability that you uh, are able to play in the European leagues um, for a certain player. Um, Eust actually went on and sort of spoke quite disparagingly about, uh, you know, boards that would then go on and, and sort of say, well, let's let's push for that, that European place. So actually, the, the best use of, of your money um, using this sort of pre-vision um, using this this sort of um, analytical philo philosoph uh, philosophical outlook is to actually get players in that will help you avoid relegation, um, and, and so yeah, yeah. Um, you know this is this is very different in terms of the conversations that we've had with with other sort of um, f oh, philosophical it's, it's, sort of it's, thinkers. It's different worlds, isn't it? It's different worlds because for me, I'm really comfortable with the whole kind of if buts maybe's kind of like th uh, trying to quantify. What, what truth is and the rest of it, but this is right outside of that. Yeah, isn't and it? for me, it also might go to explaining why certain clubs buy certain players, or that certain managers persist with certain players. That that yeah. you know, as fans, we're we're guided by our hearts, not our minds. I think we, we've got to be honest yeah. that when you're when you're standing in that stadium, we're still and and I don't I can't speak for Spanish fans or Italian fans, but I know as a fan from the UK that there are certain mm hallmarks of what I would consider a good player to have and mm. and it's you know it's that honest graft putting in a big tackle not shying away from a 50-50 you know all of those sorts of things that and then obviously on top of that there's that bit of stardust that you want as well but there are certain players that that particularly for in in the premiership for for British fans that we we watch and we think oh, I just don't like them and yet the manager consistently keeps them and I wonder if maybe that's an element of uh, buying into that statistical model where, where they actually do what I need them to do and 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 um, we'll, we'll focus a little bit further um, in, in different conversations with Eust um, about the film Moneyball because he he could mm. identify quite a bit with with the film Moneyball and he, he he didn't say it was exactly the same but he said actually that that um, model of I've got this player to do this job and 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 I, and I don't yeah, need them yeah. to do. And, and the example we gave there of the Spanish striker coming to Heracles, that actually he he was yeah. bought simply to finish. And and yeah. and you know you look back at some of the great Premiership strikers, and actually in reality you look at their all round game, and you don't think necessarily that they're all round footballers, but you think of those those guys that would 
would finish. You know, not everyone was a Matt Letissier who could, you know, take it past four or five players and then score. We The Premiership has mm. been full of strikers, for example, who have actually done very little in the game apart from popping up at the right time and scoring. And, and I know it, it's been pretty dry for him at the moment, but if you go back down the Football League, Premiership's a different mm. beast. If you go back down the Football League and you look at someone like Billy Sharp, for example, um, and, and actually look at what Billy Sharp um, brought to the clubs in, in, in the Football League in particular, and, and he's come to the Premiership at the sort of the twilight of his career. So I don't think the wider audiences have seen what he was capable of. But the amounts of goals that he scored were just... They were crazy. And if you looked at the, the map of where he scored his goals, they were almost exclusively in and around the six-yard box. He had a job to do, and he was really good yeah, at doing yeah. it. And so the clubs that got Billy Sharp weren't getting a guy who could be running up and down the wing, who would be leading the line and drawing defenders out of the way. It was somebody who was going to be in there and would finish. You know, He'd score that one goal in that 1-0 victory. Or he'd get you that draw where you absolutely needed it, and and I think that's what what used was was is sort of pointing towards, and it feels a little bit uncomfortable because it makes you realise that football, in a lot of ways, isn't that sort of mysterious game. Like I still I don't know about you, but I still love the romanticism about it. But for him, I think he yeah. finds his romanticism in football in the statistical model, and and that's something that I just I struggle with. Yeah, no, absolutely, me too. Um, it feels a bit anti-football. Um, yeah, if, 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 but but then, but then, he stated it already that the future, you know, he spoke about AI, scary stuff uh, about statistics and pro- uh, probability. Mm. So it, it's it's interesting, and I really like that sense of um, it's not about predictions; it's almost about pr- like multiple projections of, of things that could happen and the odds of those things happening as well. That's that's interesting to me. Yeah. Um- so I, I I did still ask him a bit of a what's your favourite chocolate bar question, um, and and thankfully he humoured me. Um, so my next question, the penultimate was question, um, was <clears throat> I have fifteen favorite brand of condom. <laughs> no, what was it? You know what? On an aside, I'm quite glad that they no longer put them in those massive perspex cages in the supermarkets. You are so repressed. Supermarkets. Right, listen. You make me sick. <laughs> no. Anyway, no, let's, no, so let's, go on, let's go on to the next question. I um, will proudly stride to anyone and say to their face, serve me a prophylactic this instant. Yeah, and, and you... And I need to rubber you, up for my future. You've done that to people on the streets. And, and again, that's why there are certain areas of the city that you're not allowed in. Um, by law. But I've done it. I've done it. I've done it in, in. I've done it in a variety of asdas. I've done it in restaurants. I've used. They, they've brought cling film out. It worked. Stu, you've done it outside of places. Plastic Stu, you've bags done it outside of places of worship. That's what's the next question? Yeah. So, um, I. <laughs> you went dark then. You went. I dark. did a little bit. Um, and so, yeah. so I asked him. Look, I've got fifteen million pounds. I'm a chairman of a mm. Premiership club, and I need a midfielder. Are you, are, you, are you still are you still shopping at Lidl at yep. this point? Yeah, doesn't matter how much money's coming in. Yeah. No, um, no. So I've got fifteen million for the club to spend. I'm a chairman of a Premiership club, but I need a midfielder yeah. who can press the opposition, but is that sort of link between defence and attack? You know, your typical number eight. So I'm, okay. I'm thinking of um, I'm, I'm thinking of a Matthias Click um, for Leeds, a Jordan Henderson um, for Liverpool. A, a sort of a, a, okay. a you're, I think you could describe it as a box to box midfielder. I'm looking for one of them for about 15 million pounds, and I'm a sort of a mid mm. mid sized Premiership club. Who should I be looking at? Um, 
I said to Eust, and mm. uh, this is what he answered with. So here we have a uh, scenario. You have fifteen million pounds. Say you are the chairman of Premiership Club, and you need a midfielder who can press the opposition, link defense and attack. Who should you hire? Well, first of all, I don't think you uh, should be looking at uh, a single player. Um, you have to make first check whether uh, the club is uh, functioning uh, correctly before you uh, start hiring players. Uh, there's something called the viable system model. That is a cybernetic model that any uh, organization um, that uh, uh, exists for longer than three to five years uh, is actually running. Uh, the, the, every organization fits in the model. Um, because that model explains why a uh, organization is viable. And the viable system model is very um, handy or very important for football clubs because there are a lot of the decision-making uh, issues that uh, are involved in football uh, clubs uh, can be much more optimized when you actually use the viable system model. Because most of the, uh, all the systems exist from the viable system model, otherwise the organization would not be viable. But most of those systems are grown organically, uh, are uh, without fault, without design. And so the first thing that I would do as the chairman of a premiership club is actually uh, model uh, the club uh, to get a complete club model so you know how uh, the club was actually functioning. So the second uh, decision is then checking, okay, are we actually, uh, have a, do we have a scouting uh, team uh, working? Is it it works it correctly but most importantly do we actually have decision makers that actually listen to the scouts they're actually taking their input and what no club has and what i'm always introducing when i'm working with clubs is a measurement system you have to start to measure the predictions of the people working inside the club because otherwise you have no clue whether their bayesian model that's inside their head will actually produce the right predictions and thirdly you nowadays see that uh, it is very important to uh, uh, be able to get to players at a very early stage. Uh, Brexit has made it a lot more difficult for the UK clubs to actually do that. So it's quite important to get your own satellite club. So before you want to have a midfielder who's going to help you as a team, it's much more important to actually buy a Belgium uh, club so that you have a... Uh, club on the on the European continent so that you can actually still get uh, European players uh, and uh, other players worldwide that's the reason why you have to go to Belgium and play for a club that you own so they can develop them uh, over there and uh, see if they can become a superstar and if they become a superstar you can still bring them to the Premier League and so I don't think that people should throw out names uh, like that. Uh, and besides, if they want to have a name and they ought to pay me for it. Um, the most important part is actually to get your uh, house in order, to make sure that all the procedures are running correctly, that you have a model, that you have measurement uh, in place. Uh, and then uh, it is uh, much better to uh, use the whatever that system is producing as a uh, uh, player and then do risk analysis on it to have multiple sources to uh, see uh, how many different sources actually support hiring uh, a certain player 
and then base your decision uh, on that rather than have uh, a single guy uh, call out a name and uh, hire that player. Stupid question, wasn't it? It, it was, and 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 you you could hear the disdain in his voice. Used scares me. Yeah. He's the sort of guy that that we'd invite round. Used we're going to have a, a water pistol fight. We do what? We'd invite used round, oh, and we'd be like used to, <laughs> you know, like we do um, outside of lockdown. We're just going to have a, a water pistol fight. Um, so you can bring one of the big super soakers if you like, and and he'd go away, and he'd return with a Eurofighter Typhoon. Yeah. Because if you notice yeah. his answer there, it was yeah. don't buy a player, buy a Belgium mm. club. Yeah. So, so don't spend your fifteen million pounds on a player. Buy a club, and then get those. Yeah. Get your house and that club in order, and then you'll suddenly have have a line coming through. And you can, you just realise how little we know as fans. In these sorts mm. of conversations, it used is is one of those that that works. Um, he would call himself as one of the outsiders, which is quite nice. That he, he quite liked the name mm. of our um, our podcast because um, of the fact that that you know there are insiders and outsiders in football, and he considers himself one of the outsiders. But he is on the inside of the of the professional footballing sphere more so than any of us. And that answer that he gave there to me just tells tells me so much. It shows how Man City have been so impressive. Um, and if you look, there's you know there's there's sort of mini clubs all around the world now, and there's that 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 streamlining of talent that comes through. You can just yeah. see that that quality and that level of thinking, that systematic thinking. While we're swilling around thinking, should it have been a goal? Is VAR right? Should players ever dive? He's gone and bought a club in Belgium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 a different order of thinking, isn't it? It's it's so long term that it's. It's you know, if, it, if you ask me that question, fifteen million pounds for a player, I'd say, mm. I'd say a version of what he said. Go on. I'd say I'd, I'd I'd send my scouts out to League One and the Championship, yeah. and I'd see if there was a an eighteen year old that was coming through. If not, I would look towards um, someone that had been there and done it, but perhaps twin them up with somebody else so that there's a kind of like an organic relationship between players. Yeah, I'd try and get like a talismanic person to come in and help bring the young but he he goes back about 50,000 layers yep. to 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 um it, it's mad i've never heard anything like it to be honest no and 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 actually i think that's why his his services are, are so well used um uh, and it's why they Do you think that um kind of statistical philosophers or not, they won't be cool philosophers, but do you think people who like him will be used in the future by all clubs I think that I think a lot of them are to some degree already, and um, one of our later conversations that we'll have in in a later episode, um, it looks at the insiders and outsiders of clubs because he still says mm-hmm. that there's a number of clubs that are still run that hierarchy still run them using that sort of romanticism model, you know, that old style boardroom cigars and whiskey. I've got a gut feeling about this player sort of style of thing, which which is completely the anti. Um, used yeah. model. Um, I, the, we'll we'll ask him one more question for tonight, um, and yeah, yeah. It, it's related to what we were talking about last week, looking at the difference between big clubs and small clubs. And we got into you know quite a bit of a debate about big club, small club, all that sort of thing. But um, it, he was quite dismissive about that whole idea. Um, he doesn't. Oh, he really? doesn't. He doesn't say it in this. But one of the things that was quite nice in my conversation with him is he was saying, "I don't care if they're a big or a small club, it's just as long as they pay their bills." <laughs> um, but um, right. know, fair enough, mate. Um, but actually, one of the things that he 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 was willing to answer was, "Are the definitions of big clubs and small clubs meaningless when it comes to systems and processes?" And this is what mm. he said. 
So many people make a, a, a distinction between big clubs and small clubs. Um, and then you can look at the budget they have, for instance. Uh, but it also depends on the competition, of course. If you look within the Premier League, there are big clubs and small clubs. But if you compare the small clubs on the Premier League with the clubs in the Dutch uh, competition, then uh, there are big clubs and the Dutch clubs are extremely small clubs. Um, so the question is whether, it's, uh, whether the system uh, and processes that need to be used to run the, the club, if they differ for the clubs, well, they do differ in practice. In fact, I don't think that you can say that big clubs use a system for big clubs and small clubs use a system for small clubs. As far as I've seen so far, the clubs that I've been honored to have worked with, they all have their complete own system. They're all quite unique. Take things. Of course, they look at the same kind of data. They have the same models. They all have scouts and stuff, and they have a manager and... Uh, but the way they go about their business is basically uh, different from club to club. Each club is uh, quite unique. Nevertheless, uh, if it were up to me, then every club would use the same system. Uh, so there is the viable system model uh, uh, discovered by uh, Stafford Beer. And uh, any organization is uh, working according to the uh, viable system model. And it really helps clubs to become conscious of the fact they do. Because the viable system model is based on the feedback loops and it makes sure that uh, there's a balance between all the different uh, components of the system. And that if one component is failing, then it will use the feedback loops to alert other components about that failure so they can help to rectify the issues. Um, and all of that is happening within clubs, but most of the time it is quite organically grown. Uh, the club itself is unconscious about it. There is no formal model of the club. And uh, so introducing that uh, viable system model and actually making a very explicit model and uh, writing down all the procedures and the way um, different components uh, interact and set up a measurement system so we can actually measure which components are doing well and which are uh, underperforming. Uh, so not, for, of course, we're already measuring everything there is to measure about uh, the players, but we also have to start measuring everything there is to measure about uh, the staff, so we can see whether the staff is actually doing uh, well or not so well. And of course, yeah, that's uh, that. People within clubs find that very uh, threatening to their position, because they get a lot of uh, social status out of uh, working for the club. And if the measurement system shows that they are underperforming, that uh, would uh, hurt their uh, chances of staying uh, employed within the club. And nevertheless, uh, I think that every club should run uh, the, the same. Um, of course, there are uh, philosophical differences. So there are within the, the viable system model um, many different things you can uh, make different. Um, in the sense that you can uh, have a uh, different balance. To uh, give an example, within the viable system model, there's a, uh, a balance between uh, how much time do you work at exploring the world versus how much time do you spend exploiting the world. It is uh, about how adaptable are we versus how efficient are we. So clubs can say, no, we are very efficient and uh, we rely mainly on developing our own talents. That's a, uh, an absolutely viable way of uh, 
going about their business. And other clubs say, no, no, we're going to spend more uh, time exploring the world and we are going to rely on our scouts so we can hire the, the players that we actually uh, want to work with. Um, so you can have within the viable system model uh, different uh, fear of different philosophies about how to go about your business, but it will still be in the same um, system. So if you say you do 80% uh, developing your own talents and only 20% uh, scouting, um, versus a club that would do the other way around, 80% based on scouting and 20% of development of our own players, then still the scouts ought to use the same procedures as uh, in, in both clubs, uh, no matter whether it's 20% or 80%, and the same goes by, uh, uh, in terms of the development of the players. So I don't think that it makes much sense to uh, make a difference between big clubs and small clubs. I think they're all unique clubs, and the, the, the differences are, uh, are quite astounding. So if you look, for instance, in the Netherlands, the difference between Ajax and PSV um, in their scouting, Ajax is basically going about buying players that they feel are great potential, but in, their, in the back of their mind, they already know if he fails at Ajax, we can probably sell him again uh, and not lose that much money on the transfer. Uh, whereas in PSV, as a uh, really professional scouting department, um, would spend a lot of time uh, scouting for players and uh, then hire players that uh, are a much big, bigger risk. So I think that if you look at procedures and processes, PSV is way ahead of Ajax. But if you look at the actually players hired, then Ajax is uh, coming from a much better position than PSV. But this has to also to do with uh, the financial capabilities of uh, Ajax uh, and uh, versus uh, PSV. Uh, Ajax can afford to not have this uh, rigorous system for scouting. Um, and I think, yeah, of course, I think both clubs would uh, uh, be helped if they uh, improved the, their uh, scouting. But they both come from a completely different uh, background and both are considered big uh, clubs within the Netherlands. Um, so, but the difference are like day and night if you work with those two uh, clubs. So, I guess what you're saying there is that I guess in a way, culture trumps strategy in that sense. It's about it's about uh, there's an equilibrium mm. attached to that. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And and you know, ultimately, I've I've never heard somebody talk as dispassionately about football who is as involved with football <laughs> and and you know supports football teams. But it's, yeah. his philosophical outlook is something that you can see is it just underpins his his entire outlook, and so you know mm. it, it makes me think of Cipher in the Matrix. You know when when <laughs> when I'm 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 looking at the, you know the pretty pictures um, and you know that the, you know that yeah. famous scene the girl in the red dress sort of thing. He's yeah, he's yeah. he's seeing lines of code. Um, yeah, and and, yeah, and I yeah. think that's that's a little bit of what's going on there. And and look. I'll, I kind of want to finish on this because I was in terms of our section with with used is I know that behind the scenes there's all these systems and processes going on, but I choose not to see them at times because for me, yeah, absolutely, football's romantic, it's romance. passion, yeah, and yeah. and actually the fact that that his system says that on the whole this team will win more than this team, I still like the fact that there's a one percent chance that my team 
could be this team who are just statistically yeah. better in every area. Um, and 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 I think that's the same for for so many fans. Um, well, that will the make world an incredible. That make an incredible line of inquiry when we um, when we talk to him face to face. Yeah, um, Andy, Andy, so this Andy is part... loves us. Yeah, so the, of course he will because he, yeah, he's got he's got a different set of priorities. But um, so that was part yep. one of our interview with Just. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, yeah, Just. Um, and um, Just, we'll, we'll be having Joost, a live Joost, conversation yeah. with him uh, coming up in in later episodes. And um, you know what we one of the things to to look out for in the future is that for all of our interviews with all our philosophers, there's loads of extra content that doesn't make it onto our main podcast. And and yeah. so uh, just keep an eye out for when we make available though, these extra conversations because quite quite honestly, these are some of the most fascinating guys, but they, they can speak for hours. Um, and, and, you yeah. know, it's probably not... It's, it, we're not doing them justice if we try to cram them all in. Would you uh, care to give an example? We spoke to a, a chap who was a philosopher at a Scottish um, university. Yeah. And I think we spoke for the best part of two and a half, two, three quarter hours. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we ended up making an hour episode. So it's, it's, you know, what we do is we find the most pertinent points and, and we go with yeah. that. But um, yeah, there's there's lots of stuff. Okay, fantastic. Great. Now, a uh, slightly, slight change. Um, uh, Roscoe, the, uh, our, our resident Man United fan, um, long-time friend, long-time foe, um, we got him to respond uh, last week, and I'm really glad actually the, the events of tonight have happened because um, Man you have just won nine nil. Manchester United has won nine nil, and now I tried to document the changing tones and the changing kind of like um, behaviours of certain fans, and uh, Manchester United fans uh, really amaze me. In the, some their their vacillatory is, nature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, beautifully put. Um, and um, so what we did was we asked him to, to give us a bit of a, an overview of how he felt um, Manchester United played for um, pl- played against uh, Sheffield uh, United. And I think this is fascinating in terms of his analysis of the players and their tactics, especially on the back of the, such a profound victory tonight. So here's Roscoe. And this is a view from the red side. So here's my breakdown of tonight's game. One, I saw the lineup and saw Matic was starting. And I just thought, well, that's us playing really, 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 really slowly through midfield because that's what he does. <laughs> Slows everything down, always. So Martial was starting over Cavani. I know Cavani started his last two, so maybe he wasn't fit enough to start, but I'd rather Cavani in a wheelchair than a Martial. And then... Um, our goalkeeper decides he, he can't command his own six-yard box, so we go one nil down to that rubbish. Even though he gets pushed by Billy Sharp, and then three minutes later, Maguire jumps and Ramsdale drops the ball, and Marshall scores, and that's ruled as a foul. So that's three weeks, three game weeks in a row in which we've been done by referee decisions, which have stopped a goal, but nobody will talk about it. And um, and then we equalise, and then. Our defence forgets how to play football. Twice the ball just comes to Wally Burke in the box and nobody touches him and just lets him shoot. And then, of course, it deflects and goes in off the bar. And then I've watched Tony Martial drop the worst 90 minutes of football ever. <laughs> I was genuinely spitting feathers sat in the lounge. Lazy. <laughs> and then we lose it. He doesn't come back and get it. Offside. And got the first touch of an actual donkey. 
Honestly. I'm dying. I'm I dying. I couldn't believe we made three substitutes and he was still on the pitch. Do you understand how rubbish that is? And Van der Beek can't get a look in for more. Van der Beek did more in 10 minutes than Martial did in his entire 94. It's an absolute disgrace. But City are now going to walk the league, as I thought anyway, but now it's just confirmed it in my mind. City are walking the league. And um, yeah, that was a chance to go top and our players weren't motivated enough. I'm much more calm now than I was two hours ago. I was walking around the lounge just kicking anything in my way. I've actually bruised my foot, which is great. So, um, yeah, there you are. Enjoy. <laughs> now, that is quite incredible. Um, of course, we're all emotional people and um, we all react in certain ways when we lose. Um, I think you're worse than me, if yeah, I'm being honest. Yeah. I think I, I'm quite diplomatic and I kind of like have a slightly more... I guess what you call a macro point mm. of view. I kind of think about the next five games, the next ten games. Um, but that litany of, of uh, a diatribe, that, that <laughs> onslaught onto the players of Manchester United, um, and and freely admitting at the end that Man City are going to walk the league. Now, I think it's an excellent chance to analyse the language of a football fan after tragedy strikes <laughs> and you lose a single match of football, and then next week you win nine nil. So. <laughs> What do you make of that rubbish? Because <laughs> he's, I'll tell you what, I, I, I really worry about him. I think, you know, I, every now and then I give him a ring, see how he's doing, but I think I deserve a grant from the council when I work with him. <laughs> I hope his foot's all right. You know. The thing is, like, you know what? <laughs> he's so furious, he bruises his foot we've, in the lounge. We've, we've done him, we've, we've done him, we've sold him a bit of a hospital pass there, haven't we? Because we've just been speaking yeah. to a guy who genuinely works professionally with clubs using statistical models. Yeah. And, and then, and then we've, we've taken the, the raw thoughts of a Man U fan who, who are famously yeah. up and down. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, straight after losing to Sheffield United. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you know, You've you've won nine nil, Roscoe, so it's all right. It'll be all right. But yeah. City City are yeah, going to win. We'll the do is we'll get we'll get him on. We'll 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 have a. I'll tell him to react to the um to the game tonight, and then when they lose again next week, um, we'll see how he is. He just goes the opposite direction. So, um, that's interesting. It's just fascinating, Roscoe. Long term, long term, um, fan fan of the show, friend of the show, foe of the of the show. Frankly, yeah, um, yeah, is. Yeah, he's he's not. Yeah, he he, he means. Well, we we do um, our best to aggressively turn listeners off, don't we? And and he's he's one that we're oh. literally um, targeting. Yeah, yeah one, yeah, one yeah. at a time. Oh, yeah, no, and as soon as we've only got about, if, if the police, yeah. if the police intervened, they'd say it's premeditated. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's well, no our names are being mentioned that, yeah. in any investigation. I, yeah, I guess yeah, on, exactly. on that note, there's not much more to say, really, Ooh. is there? There is well, it's been an absolute stonker, if you don't mind me saying, and 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 you, you, an incredible interview. Thank there. you, Eust, um, for, uh, for for humouring yeah, humouring us, and we look forward to talking to you again. Yeah. Um, in, in the this flesh. is part yeah. one. This is part one. Part one. Okay, so we'll leave that there. Thank you very much for listening. Um, keep an eye on our website. Keep an eye on our Instagram. Keep an eye on our Twitter. Um, constant things coming out, um, including in, um, uh, information on future interviews. Yep. Uh, me, yeah, me. Sometimes I'll come out and then and then go straight yep. back in and then come out again. Um, so, thanks for that, Sai. Take care of yourself, mate. I wish you'd stop doing that. I'm absolutely fine, Stuart. Have a nice week. Yeah. If you can be anything, fine. be normal. Fine. <laughs> Take care, mate. Or don't. <laughs>
No, because it's, you know, we're all heading towards... Everything's meaningless. Oblivion, Cascade, Entropic Failure into Star Death. (laughs) And that was going to be the name of the uh, podcast, (laughs) but a bit of a mouthful. And on that note, take care, Si.